Welcome to the Catholic Board Gamer Podcast, where Josh and Adriana talk about the wonderful world of tabletop gaming. A recent study reported that 96% of families who play board games together say that they feel close. Why do you play board games? We'd love to hear from you at patreon.com slash catholicbgg. Have an upcoming Kickstarter launching or a game that you would like others to know about? Follow Josh on Instagram.com slash SHUA01 or on BoardGameGeek.com slash user slash Cade underscore O-N-E. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, tell a friend, tell your mom, and most importantly, tell your gaming group. So without further ado, here is Joshua and Adriana. Hey, welcome back to uh, another episode of the Catholic Board Gamer. I am Josh, and Adriana is not going to be on this episode today. She went to see Peter Rabbit with her grandma, so um, I just thought I would take this time to record another episode for the month. Good to be back. For Christmas, we got lots of cool stuff from my grandma, uh, a pop filter, so hopefully this sounds a little better. We got spoiled this Christmas. So we got from my sister, we'll start with this one. This one's called Ha Ha Mustache. Ha Ha Mustache is a card game that has a picture of a silhouette of a mustache, a famous mustache. And you have to try and guess who the mustache belongs to. And there's questions on the back. And you get more points the less amount of time it takes you to guess the right answer. Usually there's hints on there. It'll tell you if they're still alive or if this person's not still alive. Um, another game we got was called You Gotta Be Kitten Me which we demoed when we went to Demo Day at one of our local game stores um, a few months ago. It's similar to um, Liar's Dice. I don't know if you've ever played that, but it's got cute little kittens and puppies on it, and they have glasses and different um, things like that. And basically, that game, all you're doing is saying, I think combined we have this many cats that have glasses. So you could just say four glasses or you can do colors. You can say, I have four. We have four blues. The next person either has to say, I agree and up it by one number. Or they can say, you got to be kidding me. And that means everybody reveals their cards. And if if everybody has equal to or more than that number that you left off on, then that person loses a card. It's a fun game. It's easy, simple. Kids will love it. Adults will love it. So we also got a game called When I Dream. When I Dream is a, a it's interesting game. The artwork's awesome. This is a game probably not everybody will enjoy it. Some people will really enjoy it. Um, one person wears these uh, blindfolds. Sorry, uh, my heater kicked on. So if you hear a noise in the background, it's probably the heater. So one person wears um, a blindfold. The artwork's similar to Dixit, where it's pretty abstract. And basically, you're going around and describing this card with one word. Only, there's different rules. So, like, some people, they're trying to be mischievous. So, they're trying to basically sabotage. And so, they say words that have nothing to do with the card. Um, To help you out, the cards do have things that are unrelated to the main theme of the card. So, you can just say those things, which helps for people who can't think right off the top of their head real quick. So the person with the blindfold is trying to figure out what is being pictured in the dream. It's kind of, it's actually kind of difficult. You're trying to listen to, try to figure out who is lying 
as you go around. And then you're on top of that, you're trying to figure out who's telling the truth. And then there's a card, a rule where there's somebody is trying to sometimes say the truth, sometimes not say the truth. But they score points based on how even the cards are. So they're trying to get to level out the uh, the balance of the game, which is an interesting concept. And then the person who is dreaming the next morning, they have to try and remember their dreams, recall their dreams. And if they can get all of them right, then they score even more points. That's the hardest part. It's pretty simple for me to figure out who is lying and who's not and then figure out those themes. It's harder for me to recall the right ones. That's where it gets difficult. So that's a fun game. It's called When I Dream. I would encourage you, there's probably playthroughs on YouTube. Um, watch those before you buy it. Because again, I enjoy the game, but like not everybody in our game group um, enjoyed it. So, And it's probably not for younger kids, not because of the content, but basically because you do have to it's a lot going on. It can be like Adri has, she's an anxious kid. So it's really not a game for her because trying to, for her to try to remember things and then have various things going on at once. So, and then we also got some expansions. We got the uh, Splendor, the Cities of Splendor expansions, which are, it's four expansions in one, which I talked about in an earlier podcast. We've played through two of the expansions. The one that we played was the Trading Post, which was and then there was one uh, called uh, the Strongholds expansion. Um, was It didn't add too much to the game. It didn't take away too much from the game. So it was kind of like take it or leave it. it. It did extend the game a little longer. So if you think that Splendor goes by a little too quick, um, the Strongholds expansion might be for you. The Trading Post was cool because you can unlock things that you can do in the game. So if you think Splendor is too simple of a game... That would be the good plugin to use for people like that. So the uh, trading post definitely sped up the game. So it went even faster, which was good and bad. Good for people who think Splendor is too long, but bad for you just don't have enough time. You have a plan in your mind, and before you know it, the game is over. Before you can implement that plan is what I found. It's worth checking out. And then we also got the Sheriff of Nottingham expansion. Uh, Merry Men, and this one, I watched a playthrough on YouTube, and I have not played it yet. Um, Sheriff of Nottingham is a fun bluffing game, but it's it's one, again, not for everybody, because some people don't like bluffing games, so um, we had a lot of fun playing it, though. Another game that I got was Cash and Guns. Cash and Guns, I've played, we played one time, I, my friend brought it over, and we played it with my mom, and it was hilarious. It's very awkward. Like, if you don't feel comfortable pointing toy guns at each other, then, which it, I admit, it is a little awkward at first. Like, the first time you're pointing a gun at your mom, it's it doesn't feel right. But it's pretty fun. So, and so you're pointing guns at people, but you can play, you can throw blanks. So you only have so many bullets. It's kind of like Barney Fife. Like, you're only allowed one bullet. Um, and then a mob boss, there's a mob boss, and he's he can tail. T- Tail. I don't know why I just went into a southern accent, but he can tail. I've been listening to too much Mac and Catherine, I think. The mob boss can, can make one person point their gun at somebody else. So if somebody's pointing a gun at the mob boss, trying to kill the mob boss to become the new mob boss, then he can tell that person to point their gun at somebody else. It's a really simple game. There are advanced rules and there are advanced uh, different things. They also have two expansions for it, more cash and guns, and there's another one. That's a fun game. Again, not for everybody, especially if they don't like guns. But I'm a boy. Guns are cool. 
I think that's about it for the games I got for Christmas. There's Oh, I I did get order the expansion pack for Jamaica, the Pirates expansion. I pre-ordered it on Amazon, so it's not going to come out until June. So I'm looking forward to getting that in the mail come June, which will be perfect because Pirate Fest is in June. And hopefully we get it like right around that same time. If you live near Cincinnati, there is the second annual uh, Cincinnati Unpub Mini. It is at The Rook. The Rook is a really cool place. We went there when it first opened because Shannon's brother lives in Cincinnati. So he was giving us a tour. So we went in there. Food-wise, their food is more snacky food. So if you're gonna, if you want to eat something before you go or play test some games and then head out and get some food somewhere else and then come back. But it's a really neat place. They have like over 800 games. They have a whole up, entire upstairs, which is awesome. They have tables set up up there too. So it's just a really cool environment. So yeah, check that out. Um, go on Facebook and they have a an event page for the Cincinnati Unpub Mini. And uh, follow them on Facebook, especially if you live near like Cincinnati or close to Cincinnati. They're looking for more playtesters. So um, another thing along those same lines is I actually saw on Facebook there was an event posted for local game designers to playtest their games. Normally they meet a couple hours away from me, so I was never able to go. However, they just started a group up in Toledo, which is about a half an hour, 45-minute drive from us. So I went to one. It's funny, actually. I didn't know it was a, an apartment. And I get there. It's just starting to get dark. And I pull in, and I'm like, oh, it's in an apartment complex. This is getting kind of creepy. I went up. I was a couple minutes late. There's, like, all these different doors, so I don't know which apartment. Like, it, it had the building number, which ironically is the same building number as my house number. Um, so I go, and I'm trying to listen. I hear somebody's TV on. And I'm like, okay, so it's probably not that room. So then I'm listening to um, another door and I didn't hear anything in that room. So um, eventually another guy walked in the door and I'm like, are you here for the for the meetup? And he's like, I am. I said, do you know where, we're, where we got to go? And he's like, I don't. So together we were lost. Eventually we uh, figured it out. And I had actually met one of the guys. He came to our Unpub Mini in Fremont. And the other guy... They got there late too. He and I, I feel like we've met before. So I don't know if he was also at our unpub or he just looked very familiar to me. And he ended up being, I think he was from Michigan. And then there was a couple other guys there. So I got to play test some games, give my feedback. And it was pretty cool. Um, Actually, there were some pretty decent games. I, I posted some pictures of them. Uh, you can find me at schwa01, S-H-U-A-0-1 on the Instagram if you do follow me, uh, message me on there and let me know that you listen to the show. So I play tested three games there. The first one I want to talk about was a game called Palm Island. Palm Island is a solo game with a co-op variant. So basically what that means is that you can, it's basically designed to play with by yourself as a one player game. Say you're at a theme park waiting in like a two hour line for a ride or you're in line on Black Friday waiting for Best Buy to open or something like that. You can just play these cards. You you play it in your hand. So you're not like laying cards down. You're actually holding the cards in your hand and turning them different directions. And I was playing it wrong. So as I was playing it, I thought I was doing very well. And then I, I realized about halfway through that I wasn't playing it correctly. So you're supposed to keep the, the cards in order. Even when you turn them, like when you turn them sideways, which is basically like banking them in Somehow you're supposed to keep them in the right order of the cards, which makes it more difficult. So this game is actually going, has 
plan is to bring it to Kickstarter on February 27th. So check that out if you um, like thinking games or if you don't have any friends and you just want to play games by yourself, you can go check it out. It's called Palm Island, which is a play on words like palm. It could be like palm tree, but it's actually like you're playing the cards in your palm. Um, the artwork was really good. He did an excellent job on the prototype. Yeah, Kickstarter, February 27th. Check that out. Oh, another game I played was um, King's Guilds. I don't know if that's the name that it's going to stay because I noticed on uh, the Board Game Geek that there's already a game called The King's Guild. His plan is to uh, pitch the game at Origins, which is down in Columbus. It's a huge gaming convention if you're near if you live in Ohio, I would encourage you to go check out Origins. People come to Origins from all over the place. A uh, very first episode of our podcast, Adrian and I actually went to Origins for the first time last year. Um, the game looks very intimidating when I went to play it. It looked like a heavy game, but they convinced me to stick around. So I played it. He gave me, uh, there's different rules also, not rules. I- I'd say things funny because I'm from Ohio. Um, my wife makes fun of me. She says I say things with an ooh sound, like I say it all the same. To me, it's all the same. Actually, the game wasn't that difficult. The way you play each character has a different, it's almost like a mini game within a game. So each character has like a game going on within the game. So it's 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 an interesting game. I, I was amazed at how balanced the game was, like how how balanced he was able to make this game because of that, like the fact that there's so many different variations, each person's playing a di- kind of a different game within the game. There's an element of the game where basically everybody's can change other people's games within the game. So he describes it as an asymmetric strategy game. So Nathan Wool plans to pitch the game at Origins 2018. He has obviously put a ton of time and uh, thought into this game. Uh, hope it gets picked up. And the uh, final game that I played was pretty awesome. This was my favorite out of all three. Uh, this one is was actually made by the same guy who made Palm Island from Portal Dragon Games. Of the three games, this was my favorite. It was a space mining game. It was called Planetoid. And his prototype was excellent. I'm afraid that when he actually comes out with the game, which he's actually planning on running a Kickstarter for this game as soon as Palm Island is complete. And once Palm Island is finishes up on Kickstarter, he's going to launch this one. And this one, I don't know if the quality of the actual game from Kickstarter is going to be as unique as his prototype because the prototype one was pretty dang awesome. So basically what they're doing on this game is you're going to a planet and you're mining for different minerals and you have different options based on you have different drills different attachments to like your mining machinery that allows you to do different actions on the planet so you can reveal sometimes you could uh excavate which is basically you're looking you can look at other there's little circle pods or whatever basically score points by collecting different things of the same or different things of the of different i don't know i'm not giving this thing justice but yeah so this was a uh, portal dragon games and you can follow them on Instagram under the Portal Dragon. The game itself was pretty awesome, and the board, the planets, pretty innovative how he has it set up. So I can't wait to this one comes out on Kickstarter. Hopefully, coming to Kickstarter by the middle of March, 
or early April. It is called Planetoid. Keep an eye out for that. I love hearing what you guys are playing. Um, if you want to send me some audio, you can contact me on, send me a DM on a, or a private message on Instagram, and I will let you know my email address so then you guys can send me some audio feedback if you like. This past weekend, we went to my mom's. We usually have a game, a monthly game night, and we were thinking about having one up here at our house, but my mom's birthday was on Groundhog's Day, so we decided, hey, it'd be cool to have our game night at my mom's, so she wouldn't have to cook, so we set that up. We invited people over, and everybody could bring a frozen pizza, their favorite frozen pizza, and we had, if you don't know what a pizza pizzazz is, they're awesome. Like, we've We've gotten our money out of this thing 100,000 times over. Basically, it's like a cooker for pizza that just, so you don't have to heat up your oven. You just stick it, plug it in, and uh, put your frozen pizza on there. It's also good with pita bread pizza. So, like, if you want to get, like, pita bread or something like that, or, like, a crust, and then you could add your own fresh ingredients, which is what my sister did because she's, like, a health nut, and she made a super healthy pizza. We made, we did the same thing with a buffalo chicken pizza. We used buffalo sauce and uh, barbecue sauce. We made a couple of those and works awesome. So we had my sister-in-law has a, she just got a pizza pizzazz for Christmas. We've had ours for like well over 10 years. We uh, made way too much pizza and it was fun. But the game that we played, oh, I forgot to tell you guys. I got a, uh, a game called Deception Murder in Hong Kong. This game was fun. It's kind of like Codenames. If you've ever played Codenames, Smash with Clue. So if you like, enjoy Clue, then you're going to love this game. Everybody in front of them has eight cards. There's four murder weapons and then four clues. One person's kind of like, like, kind of like in Codenames, there's two Codemasters. In this game, there's one Codemaster. He's actually like the forensic scientist. So the forensic scientist passes out all the different cards. Everybody's investigators, except for one person's a murderer. This is the basic rules. There's also more advanced cards if you want to get more advanced, but these are the basic rules. So it's pretty awesome. So the murderer gets to, everybody goes to sleep, like kind of like a werewolf. Everybody goes to sleep and the private investigator or the scientific investigator says, murderer, wake up. Murderer wakes up. Murderer gets to pick one murder weapon and then one clue that he leaves behind. So he points to the two items. Um, Scientific guy says, okay, I got it. Go back to sleep. Murderer goes back to sleep. Then there's three rounds. Everybody wakes up. The scientific investigator has these tiles. And one might be like the location of the murder. And then there's a whole list of locations. So there's like these little bullets, little markers. And then he would put out like, okay, did it happen in the bar? Did it happen in a school? Did it happen in a restaurant? I'm just thinking things off the top of my head where there might be some murder. Say the murder weapon was poison or something and so somebody got poisoned in the bar or something i don't know so you would he would put it like okay it happened in a bar so then everybody's talking like oh it happened in a bar and so they're looking at everybody's items he looks at the next tile there's actually like what was the weather like and so then he puts a clue on what the weather was like and goes on and on and on and once you once he finishes all those tiles then you start to the left of the forensic scientist you that person gets like up to about 30 seconds to explain what they think happened so it's kind of like Murder, She Wrote or Columbo for all you older people. Basically, you'll say like, oh, I think 
I think John did it, and what happened was he hit somebody with a with a a stool, a bar stool or something. I don't know, something that somebody else has. We played with my grandma, which was hilarious. And you can see footage of this on my Instagram of my grandma playing Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. And uh, she used to love Murder, She Wrote. And so it was pretty cool. So she her story was awesome. Like she was like, I think Cody did it. And this, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. So you get all the way around and then it starts phase two. Phase two, um, forensic scientist gets to remove one of the tiles. So say people are like, oh, say you said the weather was snowy or something. And like everybody was leaning towards an item that wasn't the right item. Then you get to take that tile away. And people are like, oh, okay. So we weren't on the right track. Replace it with another tile that has another question. Basically, you go around again, and then the third time, he takes another tile away, replaces it with a new one, and then you finish out that round. At any moment during the game, everybody has a, bat, a police badge. If you turn in your police badge, you get to you get to guess who murdered, and then the two items that they picked. So the, the clue and then the, uh, the murder weapon. Forensic scientist just says yes or no. You don't give any clues. You don't say, oh, you're so close, or you got one right. It's like code names. You just say yes or no. If you don't get both items correctly, the person who gave up their badge still plays out the rounds. However, he can no longer make a guess. So he can contribute with his stories and trying to figure out the clues, but he can't make the actual guess. If you don't guess by the end of the last round and everybody goes around, then you lose it. You don't get to guess. And then the murderer gets away. So that's the gist of it. It's pretty awesome, pretty fun, and they have an expansion coming out. The expansion has extra tiles and then also has a ton more items, which is awesome. Maybe I'll get that for my birthday or something. If you right now on Kickstarter, if you support the Dice Tower, which is a YouTube channel, one of the levels uh, actually has some extra items for this game. However, it's pretty expensive. Like it's at like a fifty dollar level, so I didn't see that it was worth it. If you go to Origins, a lot of times the if you go to the Dice Tower booth, they'll still have some left over and they'll sell them to you individually, which is a better deal than backing them on Kickstarter. But if you're an avid watcher, you want to support them. So I don't know if you have any children who are servers during the Sacred Liturgy, but I have a theory on Ultra Boys. And Ultra Boys grow up to be one of two things. They either grow up to be priests or they grow up to be comedians. There are so many stand-up comics that used to be Catholic. It's crazy how many. there. I mean, you, you can name them. Like, let's see, Dane Cook, Owen Benjamin, who I actually, I really like Owen Benjamin. But let's see, uh, Jim Carrey, I think. Of course, the, uh, what's his name? The uh, George Carlton. Bill Maher. I think Rosie O'Donnell. Kathy Griffin. About half of my iPod is filled with uh, podcasts about stand-up comedy. And... They're interviewing different comics, so it's not like they're actual stand-up. It's they're talking about. It's kind of like behind-the-scenes stuff about, and so you get to hear a lot of stories, which I find very interesting. And what I find is a lot of comics. I would almost argue most majority of comics have a lot of anxiety issues and suffer from a lot of depression. I think a lot of that comes from the culture of the stand-up comedy. A lot of these guys are promiscuous. They, if you're listening to this in your car, you might not want your kids to hear this. So I know it's a family podcast, but that's kind of why since Adri's not here, I can talk about this stuff. But like one comic, you know, joked about 
having contracted two STDs. The other comics are making fun of him, joking about it, and he's laughing along. But you can tell his laugh is a little different than their laugh. Like, he's not happy about having herpes. A lot of, I don't want to say all, but like a lot of comics are miserable people. And I think their lifestyle has a lot to do with it. And there's a comic right now who he got dropped by his agent because he doesn't line up politically with the culture of entertainment in Hollywood. Sarah Silverman. I, I like Sarah Silverman as a person. I think she's funny. Um, I wish she would, she would stop calling herself Jewish because she doesn't really practice Judaism. Um, she's culturally Jewish. Same thing for Catholics. There's so many cultural Catholics that people that say they're Catholic, but they don't practice their faith. They don't have a relationship with our Lord and they don't live it. She's one of these feminists who a lot of her jokes are about, oh yeah, I had a, you know, very flippant towards abortion, like as if it's funny. And I'm not a person who says you can't joke about things on stage. Like comedy is comedy. I'm not someone who wants to limit your freedom and liberty to say things. And I don't think doing so would actually be good for stand-up comedy. Um, I'm getting somewhere with this. So there's a lot of really funny comics who are Catholic. This is going to be my top five list. So my top five funny Catholics. And we're going to start off with Jennifer Fulweiler. Jennifer Fulweiler, she hosts a show called The Jennifer Fulweiler Show. She's a mother of like six or seven kids. She's hilarious. So I would encourage you all to check her show out, Jennifer Fulweiler Show. She did an excellent interview with Jim Gaffigan's wife, who, I don't know if you know this, but like she had, she found out that she had like a, a softball-sized tumor in her head, and she needed to get it removed. And Jim Gaffigan, who also makes the list, obviously, if you follow him on YouTube, they were doing this thing where he and uh, his wife, Jeannie Gaffigan, she had to eat through a feeding tube. I don't know if she still does, but they would bring on these chefs, these big name chefs that they're friends with. And he'd be like, what are we going to make today? And she's like, oh, how about if we go with the steak dinner? And it's all powder. Like you just mix it with water or something and you put it into this device and then you have to shoot it in through this tube. And they have like a code name that they yell out whenever it's time for her to open up the valve so that the food will go into the stomach and not come out of the stomach, like come out. So... They have to say whatever the code word was. I forget what it was. And they push down and they, they fire this mush steak dinner into her body. And it was really funny. But it was it's an example of a husband who is not running away from his response, like his vow to his wife, you know, in sickness and in health. And it's very inspiring to see that. And as much as Jim jokes about how lousy of a Catholic he is, because it's basically his wife is he jokes that she's. The joke is that she's Shiite Catholic. By now, you've all heard that joke. And she is uh, she helps write a lot of Jim's jokes. Another story about the Afghans. There was a lot of Catholic websites got on Jim a couple of months back because I forget they were eating somewhere with their family and they came out and there just happened to be a, a gay pride parade. And uh, and so they like there somebody handed their kid like a rainbow flag or something and stuff. And somebody snapped a picture of them and uh, he made a joke on Twitter about it or something. And the thing about that is, is like, I don't know if anybody watched the Jim Gaffigan show. It was on like a TV land or one of those channels. I don't know. I got, I bought the first two seasons on DVD from Amazon and it took me a while to get into the, the type of show that it is. Cause it's, it's, it's not my type of sitcom, I guess, 
but it took me a few episodes to get into the the flow of the show. But once I did, I understood the genius of it because there was an, actually an episode, and I encourage you to check it out. I think it was I don't know if it's episode eight or nine, but they uh, Jim's wife, the the lady that plays Jim's wife in the show, she asks him to take this Bible to the church to get it blessed, I think, or something like that. So on his way, something happens. I don't know if it starts raining or what, but he puts the ba- the Bible in a plastic bag to prevent it from getting wet. But somebody snapped a picture of him putting the Bible into the plastic bag and captioned it like he's throwing away the Bible or something. I don't know. But it was interesting because then you show all they show all these news channels. So like actual news people like CNN, Fox News, you know, E! Entertainment, all these different news sources that put out media. And they all put a different spin on it. So like the rights, like the, the, the evangelicals are like Catholic comedian throws the Bible in the trash. And then like the other side's like comedian is Catholic. It was funny because they basically illustrated how the media will take something and twist it into something that it's totally not. And that's what I saw happening with this photo that was um pretty innocent. And I'm not somebody, I mean, I'll be upfront with you guys. I'm pretty conservative. If you haven't figured that out, I lean more libertarian. The liberty movement allows for people who believe that that are for the rights of the unborn, and that is okay in a libertarian. That's acceptable in the libertarian platform because they don't legislate morality. I guess is what you could say. They're not against morality, though. If you want to read more about this, I encourage you to read a book called *The Law* by a French guy. I can't remember his name. Frederick Bastiat. It's B A S T I A T. His argument in the book is that. Because somebody is doesn't want the government to legislate morality does not mean that you should not be moral people. And he argues that people can be moral people without the law telling them that they have to do things. Pope John Paul II had a good quote that said, Freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. When we talk about freedom, it doesn't mean going out and doing whatever we want. It's going out, being able to go out and do what we should be doing, doing the right thing. One of the quotes from Frederick is, Let us try liberty, liberty which is an act of faith in God and in his work. So he's, he was not against morality or God. He's against someone else taking away our God-given liberty. Um, another book that I recommend to people, and it's another super short book, fast read, is a book called Absolute Relativism by Chris Stefanik. Anyone who's been to a um, Steubenville Youth Conference has heard the name Chris Stefanik or Stefanik, I don't know. Basically, this book is is talking about moral relativism and where we are headed as a culture. And if we're not if we're not aware of where we're going or where we're headed, then we're going to wake up someday and be like, how did we get here? Okay, so. Okay, yeah, that was season one of the Jim Gaffigan Show, episode nine. Number two. Number two is Father Sean and Justin from the Untitled Catholic Podcast. These two guys, they're twin brothers. One became a priest. The other one's a husband and a father. These guys are hilarious. They could always use some more subscribers. So go over and check them out on the Untitled Catholic Podcast. I don't think they edit their episodes hardly at all. Like, it's pretty raw. So if you like raw podcasts like I do, it's uh, the quality is not the greatest and they have spite like when they laugh all the time they're constantly laughing because and it's funny they're talking and all of a sudden they're just laughing really loud and the audio spikes but they say some pretty hilarious stuff that was number two father sean and justin 
Number three. Number three is Mac and Catherine. As we mentioned in the last podcast, we played some audio from what they've been playing lately from the Catholic in a Small Town podcast. They're hilarious. They got me laughing. Usually I listen to Catholic in a Small Town on my way to work, and it puts me in a great mood. Like, I just, it brings a smile to my face. I laugh out loud. Like, I literally laugh out loud when I listen to podcasts. And when I listen to them at work, like, everybody's like, oh, there goes Josh laughing again, because I will laugh. I will laugh. People say, like, if you watch a comedy by yourself, you will not laugh as much as if you're watching it with somebody else, which is probably true for a lot of people. But me, I have a tendency, and maybe it's for my stepdad, because my stepdad, he, he will laugh. Whether you're in the room or not, he's laughing. And it's weird. Number four, Mackie the Kid. One of my all-time favorite stand-up comics. He was on Last Comic Standing, and his name is Joe Mackey. If you don't know who Joe Mackey is, he's he looks goofy as heck. If you if you look him up, he's an interesting-looking fellow with a super high voice, and he jokes that he gets mistaken for a, a girl. Joe Mackey is, I don't want to say, because I've seen him live twice. I have went and saw him. We Shannon and I went and saw him in Youngstown last year, and... Me and a friend went to Erie, Pennsylvania a couple months ago and saw him at the comedy club in Erie. And uh, I love him. He's so funny. And he has like an innocence about him that's just, you can't help but like him. A lot of his jokes, like he, I, I wouldn't, I would say he's a clean comic, but when we saw him in Erie, Pennsylvania, he dropped two cuss words during the show. And I think it was more because a lot of times what comics will do is if the crowd's not getting into it, Sometimes they have they they feel they have to do that kind of stuff to like to draw them in. But again, he's like his jokes are very clean with like but if you see him live, go watch look him up on YouTube and watch his uh last comic standing clips because obviously they have to they have to filter out any cuss words for primetime shows. But what I love about Joe Mackey is he's there's a lot of interviews that you can look him up on iTunes and he's done a lot of interviews with like radios, different radio programs across the, the globe. And his Catholic faith comes up from time to time, and he's not afraid of his to to admit that he's Catholic. Like, and he lives he lives it. He um he does it in a way that is not like in your face annoying, but he doesn't shy away from it. And I think um if I find the clip, I'll play it. Number five, drum roll, please. You already know it's Jim Gaffigan. Back in March of 2014, Shannon and I went and saw Jim Gaffigan at the Stranahan in Toledo. And I when I got the tickets online, I was like, oh, Shan's going to love this. And they look like good seats online, like in the picture. I thought I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then we get there, and he looks like he's the size of like, like I don't even know, like a Tic Tac with blue Adidas shoes on. Yeah, I don't. I have this thing about comics and, and shoes. Okay, so going back to Joe Mackey. Mackey, he has admitted in an interview once that he doesn't understand spending $80 on a pair of shoes. Um, and it shows because when I went to his, to see him in Erie, Pennsylvania, his, I could not stop. It was a distraction. It was like, I'm looking at these cheap Walmart looking shoes or pay less. I don't even know, but, um, they were hideous and I couldn't get like, it was almost distracting me from the jokes. Cause I was like, I just couldn't stop. Well, that and I was being distracted by the two drunk guys to our left that was like would not be quiet. They were talking so loud during the show, which was very distracting. 
there's actually comedy clubs in New York, the comedy cellar. They don't stand for that kind of stuff. Like the comedy cellar actually prides themselves on if you take out your cell phone, you're kicked out. If you heckle, you're kicked out. If you're talking real loud, you're kicked out. Like they don't have the patience for that kind of stuff because they have enough respect for their comics that if you can't control yourself, I mean, they want to sell the alcohol, obviously, probably, but it just takes away from everybody else's experience. And that's, I, I actually wish more comedy clubs were like that. But anyway, going back to Jim Gaffigan. So yeah, he's like, Jim Gaffigan, he's gotten so big that it's not like when you go to these more intimate uh, comedy clubs, you know, it's it's a smaller venue. I like the smaller venue because it is more intimate and you, like nobody wants to sit up in the front row. It's weird. It's like when you go to the comedy club, nobody wants to sit in the front row because they don't want to get made fun of. And I've been made fun of a couple times. So I think key is if you're laughing. If you're laughing and having a good time, they usually don't pick on you. It's when you're when you're acting a fool that they, they call you out. So yeah, so Jim Gaffigan, it was still funny, but it was just, again, the venue was just too big. I don't know. I like, I enjoy the smaller venue. Here's something interesting. So I found out that my cousin Lauren, Adri's godmother, her husband Jimmy, when he was in college, he used to work at the comedy club that Shannon and I used to go to quite all, you know, we used to go to the comedy club a lot. It has since closed. They opened up a different comedy club in Toledo. There, it used to be Connections and then the Funny Bone and Connections went out of business which is the one that he worked at. It was definitely not as fancy as the um, Funny Bone, but I didn't realize that my cousin's husband used to work there. He was like the door guys at the at the show, at the comedy club. So we probably met and didn't even know that we met. And he's from Columbus, so my cousin and him met down in Columbus at a YMCA. It's just interesting how often we meet people and then we meet them again, and it's like we probably we were at the same place at the same time. This was weird. So I went to a... Uh, a Christian music festival. It was like art show slash skateboarding slash like, but it was up in Pennsylvania, but it was like all the way. I didn't realize it was so far out, but it was called the purple door festival. And me and a friend went, I'm like, Hey, you want to go up to Pennsylvania? I was thinking like Pennsylvania is like the next state over. We should go up to the purple door festival. It'd be sweet. So we go up and we're driving forever. It's like, it felt like forever. And we got there. It was at like a ski resort, but it's summertime. So it's like, there's not snow, obviously. And uh saw a lot of the big-name bands like Skillet and Cool Hand Luke, a bunch of up-and-comers that were pretty awesome, Reliant K. But we're, we're there, and I see this guy's shirt in front of me. I'm like, Gribble's IGA. I'm like, that's the grocery store in the small town that where I grew up. And I, like, I'm talking small town. I'm, like, talking small town. Like, we had, I don't know, our graduating class was probably 60 or 70 people. I think it was, like, we had 80 kids in our class, and I think, like, I don't know, 10 or 20 of them didn't graduate. But we had, like, a small class. I'm, I'm talking, like, a small town. And uh, there's a small grocery store there. And I'm like, this – so I tapped the kid on his shoulder, and I'm like, where did you get that shirt? And he's like, oh, we, we were camping in uh, Mohican in, in Ohio, and we went to the thrift store, and I picked this shirt up. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I grew up there. Like, that's my hometown. So – that was pretty awesome. It's a small world, especially if and when you, like when you're talking like the Catholic world is like gets even smaller. Like you'll, it's a small world. Even if there's like a billion Catholics, it's like in the world. Like it's a super small world. I want to do a couple honorable mentions because I couldn't just bring myself to do a top five list. Um, Lino Ruli, the Catholic guy, he's on XM Satellite Catholic Radio. He's 
pretty funny too. So if you've never heard of him, Lino Ruli. Lino Ruli. He's actually like I call him the Pope's comic because like he is actually. I'm pretty sure he met JP two. He met uh, B sixteen, and he's also met Pope Francis. I think a couple times. He was he has a story where he has he had this dilemma because he's he's a huge fan of uh, the Foo Fighters and David Letterman, and he got invited to go. I think either on David Letterman when the Foo Fighters were gonna be there or something like that. But he also had an invite to go meet Pope Francis, and he had like this dilemma like, ah, oh, when I'll get to meet the Pope like anytime like. <laughs> which is funny because most people don't say I get to meet the Pope anytime. So it was, it's a pretty funny story. So he's pretty funny. Uh, you can, he, you can listen to his podcast. It's called that, uh, that Catholic guy. Another honorable mention is, um, a guy I just found out about. He's actually from Michigan. He is, uh, father Joe Krupp and father Joe Krupp. Actually, he's, he's been both, you know, like my theory about altar boys, either growing up to be priests or growing up to be a, a, a comic. He actually started out as a stand-up comedian and lived that lifestyle for, you know, a while and then actually became, entered the seminary and became a, a priest. Hopefully he's not, like, doing stand-up during the liturgy because that would, uh, it's one of my pet peeves. I'm going to do uh, one of our top five lists one of these times. It's going to be, like, my top five Catholic pet peeves, as much as you probably want to hear me complain. But, um, but anyway, I listened to an interview with uh, Father Joe Krupp on the armchair Catholic. He does an inter- he did an interview with Father Joe, and he's like talks about his life story, like how he became a priest. And he's a good guy. He's he's a uh, he's a humble guy for sure. Almost every priest that I know, every, almost every Catholic priest that I know was an altar server. All right, so we're gonna put a poll up on our Patreon, and what we want you to do is ask your priest. If he was an altar server, and if he says yes, go on our Patreon and look up our poll questions, and you'll see the question and just put yes or no. Because um, I have a theory on this. Like, I've just never met a priest that wasn't an altar server, which is surprising to me. I was never an altar server. Uh, my cousins were, and they no longer go to church. So I don't think they really wanted to be an altar server. Their parents kind of made them be an altar server. So there might be something to that. So... Message us on uh, Patreon and let us know if are your kids altar servers? Do they enjoy being an altar server? Is it something that you make them do, or is it something that they have volunteered to do? We, uh, Shannon and I, taught CCD, and which is basically for those who are not Catholic, that's like Sunday school. And yeah, so Shannon and I taught fifth grade, and fifth grade was awesome because fifth grade they're at that age where like at the time they didn't have smartphones, and anyway, so we taught fifth grade, and then we taught seventh grade. The seventh graders were more immature than the fifth graders. The fifth grade class was like, it probably helped that we had a small class. And then when we did the seventh graders, it was like, we had like 25 kids in our class and they didn't want to be there. Um, I think it was like a confirmation class. So a lot of their parents made them be there. And then they ha- you throw smartphones on top of that. And it was like, everybody put your smartphone in the box until after close. And most of them would, but then halfway through you're seeing somebody's face light up all blue and you're like just get out of here but we had a kid in our class and this kid max maximilian this hispanic kid that was just hilarious 
he would make me laugh so hard. And it was hard to tell when he was being serious or joking. Like we we would end the, the night with a prayer where we'd stand in a circle and everybody would pray something, you know, pray about something. And he just went off about like, I want to pray for this corrupt administration, blah, blah, blah. And I thought he was totally joking. And so I'm like, I'm like, okay, Max, that's, that's enough. That's fun. And he, he gave me this look like, no, like, like well, you cut me off, dude. He's like, no, I'm like seriously praying about this. And like, you cut me off kind of look on his face. And I'm like, and I didn't realize till later, like, cause like as a general rule, I don't follow the youth on, on social media, mainly because of the pre-scandal and stuff. Like you gotta be over, like it annoys me. That's, I'm going to, it's one of my pet peeves, but I'm, I'll talk about that another time. But, but I, a general rule, I don't follow youth on social media until they're like 18. So like when they turned 18, um, I friended a lot of these youth hoping that hopefully I live a life, my life in a way that's encourages them to continue in faith and i realized later that he was he probably wasn't joking back then like he's just a genuinely funny kid but he was being serious that time but anyway so i got an extra dvd i had bought um if you've never heard of the comedian michael jr if you've never heard of michael jr he's from michigan he reminds me of a dave Chappelle, but like he's christian and but his jokes are like He's been on, like, I think he's been on the late night shows. He's been on HBO. Super funny dude. But he, uh, I bought his second DVD that he came out with. I already had his first DVD. I bought his second CD, his second DVD. And then I entered a contest or something online and I ended up winning another copy of it. So I gave it to Max and I told him, I'm like, you know, just, I want to encourage you that, you know, you don't have to think that you have to leave the faith to be funny. I just, I wanted to encourage him. So please pray for Max. Just pray that the Lord will inspire him and encourage him to let him know that he can be funny and do it in a way that glorifies God, right? Oh, here's another funny story. So in high school, I dated a girl. She was a preacher's kid. And uh, her dad sat me down on like before we went out on our first date and he was polishing his shotgun and was like pretty much saying to me you know don't try anything with my daughter or i'm gonna you know i want her home by this you know and he's just trying to scare me with this thing and he was a pastor but anyway so like her brother was a really bad kid like he was just a bad kid like he was into drugs and like probably womanizing and everything else and uh i remember i was walking through the hallway in high school and he was an upperclassman and he like slammed his shoulder into mine and was like don't try anything with my sister and I'm just like, dude, like, I'm like the last person you need to worry about, like, for real. So just chill out. But she ended up breaking up with me. And on the the breakup letter, it had a, a little sticker that said, Jesus loves you. And I'm like, I know Jesus loves me. I'm like, I want you to love me. Yeah, she broke up with me for a guy that she said was funnier than me, which is, he turned out to be like a, a, a nice guy. And he actually, I think, is a pastor now, so. But he got really fat, which is funny. It's kind of like my, there's a German word for uh, when you feel happy when somebody, something bad happens to somebody else. Like, it's not that I like want something bad to happen, but you feel like glee in it. And there's a, there's a German word for that. And I don't remember what it was, but so who is your favorite comedian? Are there any other comedians? I know there's that, there was a girl comedian. Oh, what was her name? Julie something on youtube she 
She's Catholic, and she. I didn't put her on the list because I, although she's funny, her jokes are kind of like the jokes that non-Catholics tell about Catholics, and it's like she's allowed to say it, but they shouldn't, kind of thing. But like, I don't know. To me, it's kind of cringy. So, and I forget her name though. But I might put her in the show notes if uh, if I think of her name. But is there anybody out there that I should like? Any comedians that you like, like Brian Regan? He's a good, clean comic that's really awesome. Uh, Ryan Hamilton, my brother and I went and saw Ryan Hamilton in Chicago. And, uh, he's very funny. He had like a 15 minute joke about a hot air balloon and it was hilarious. I don't know how you could tell a like, just like joke about a hot air balloon for 15 straight minutes, but he, he did it. And I actually heard a, on his new Netflix episode, he actually has a joke about offending somebody. Like, you know how like everybody's afraid of to offend people nowadays. And, uh, he was actually talking about how that joke about the hot air balloon offended somebody like there was a hot air balloonist couple that came up to him after the show and was like we're hot air balloonists and uh like we're offended i don't know if it was like that i haven't actually watched the new ep- his new netflix special but he's been a guest on some of the podcasts i listen to and so he they were talking about it ryan hamilton he's pretty funny he's a good guy too they 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 say that like he's like the saint of comedy like he's like he was, uh, I think he toured with Seinfeld, like when Seinfeld first started. And a lot of his, like, delivery is a lot, is very Seinfeld-like. Like, if you like Seinfeld, which I don't find Seinfeld all that funny. Oh, I have another story about that. Let me finish. I want to say something. No, hold up. I got one more story. So, another story about, I can go on and on. But, like, my stepdad grew up Presbyterian, and his pastor, Pastor Bob, was a younger pastor, and he, him and my art, the priest from the Catholic church right up the hill, they would get together for lunch sometimes. And our pastor would make comments like, you're more Catholic than I am. And Pastor Bob actually um, converted to Orthodoxy. So Orthodox, the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox are very similar to us Catholics. Like the Eastern Orthodox church and the Catholic church used to be one church. We are like the original Christian church that, that was founded by Christ. And we share a lot of the same saints, a lot of the same traditions, and a lot of the same beliefs. There's some differences, but we both have an apostolic succession, and we both share the belief in the Eucharist and the belief in baptism. But anyway, so Pastor Bob, before he became pastor at this Presbyterian church, taught at a college somewhere up, I think, in New York or somewhere. And one of his students actually dated Seinfeld. I don't know if she dated Seinfeld or she married. I think she might have married Seinfeld. I don't know. But... Um, she was in his class. So Pastor Bob actually taught Seinfeld's, I think, girlfriend or possibly fiance, possibly wife, um, in a class. And so that's another example of how small the world is. So if you want to learn more about Orthodoxy, listen to um, Orthodoxy Live. And if you want to learn more about the Catholic faith, um, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast Catholic Answers Live. Um, I find that or- the Orthodox are less are less charitable towards Catholics than Catholics are of the Orthodox. Like, we we are much more charitable towards or, the Orthodox than they are of us. Um, and I think that just is probably because of just the long-lived... With anything with history, it's kind of like, if you keep holding on... My, my theory is if you keep holding on to the, the grudges of the past, things that, like, people did that we're, like, you know, we're different people. We're not the same people of, like, kind of... It's kind of like slavery like you can't be mad at um like you can't be mad at the the ancestors of slave owners today 
and actually i uh adrian had to do a paper in one of her classes about um our heritage or whatever like um our ancestors and it was interesting that like majority of my ancestors it was funny because like i'm half german half hillbilly like my dad's side is like southern like and my my mom's side of the family is like german but in actuality like i think we're all i, I haven't spit in a tube yet but like we're all like i haven't done like the dna testing yet but i think i'm pretty much german on both sides but um but when adri did our uh paper um we actually had more people i mean maybe just because the, the south were horrible at keeping records but like the majority of my family was on the Yankee side during the civil wars. So I'm pretty sure my ancestors did not own slaves, but I don't know for sure. Anyway. So thank you for listening and uh, subscribing. Uh, any feedback that you want to give us, if you have uh, want to give us five stars on iTunes, that'll definitely help us out. Follow me on Instagram, schwa01. All right. God bless. What's the funniest thing you've ever seen on YouTube? I saw a video where it was baby escape videos and they were funny because like um one of them was the baby like actually opened the gate like it was one that you had to pull the thing open and on the third try he actually got to opening it <laughs> and then he just went off in the hallway or something. and then there was this one where it was the same kind only the baby could fit through the side of it like just slip through there for christmas we got adri a uh, weird owl like the best of weird owl compilation cd so and and a karaoke machine. And a karaoke machine. But what's your favorite Weird Al song? Or song? Show. Song. So what's your favorite Weird Al song? Um, I recommend that you should listen to Trapped in the Drive Through. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, look that one up on YouTube. Right? Because there's a cartoon that goes with it. There is? Yeah. I'm going to watch it. We can watch it right now. Oh, yeah. Let me pause it. Hold on. Oh, here This is Weird Al trapped in the drive-thru. That's so funny. Yeah, we're big fans of Weird Al. And? Weird Al's touring with uh, Emo Phillips. When I was a kid, I stayed up all night on Christmas Eve one night, and a local college station was playing stand-up comics. And so I, ha- I had my tape player... I was like, I hit record. I was recording it, and one of the comedians was Emo Phillips, and he's another clean comic, really funny. I think he's an atheist though, because some of his jokes are anti-God, but he's pretty funny, and he's touring with Weird Al, which is cool. But his jokes are like stupid jokes. They're like, um, kind of like puns actually. If you like Stephen Wright, they're kind of like Stephen Wright jokes. So. Just throw that out there. So then all these women don't have kids because they're trying to, you know, make as much money as possible because that's what womanhood is defined by because they think that's empowerment. And then when, of course, the other thing that's empowerment is Planned Parenthood, which is ripping life out of their womb once they create the life, okay? 
Okay, so then what happens? Then women realize that they should have had kids and they have this emptiness that follows them everywhere they go. And that no matter what they do, it doesn't fill it. Like, I, I know Chelsea Handler. I've done her show five times. Like, I'm not just this random spectator. I watch someone be cool and fun and slowly become a psychopath. Chelsea Handler at 30 was really cool. Chelsea Handler at 40-something is a nut job. And you see this over and over. Amy Schumer used to be really cool. I shot a Butterfinger commercial with her. She's let me stay at her apartment. I've done her TV show. The chick was a rock star. And then you watch them age. And then you watch them think that they have to baby everyone. And that everything is about safety. And everything is about not saying the wrong word and not hurting feelings. You know what that's good for? Babies! Like, that quality is, is good in a woman when you're dealing with a one-year-old in an electric socket. But they didn't have babies. Sarah Silverman didn't have... None of these people had babies. So they baby everybody else. And you know what that leads to? Genocide. 